Hi there, and welcome to this episode of The Blockchain Economy by the Crypto Assets Institute. My name is Ethan Pierce, and I will be your host as we join Joris Delanu, co-founder and COO of Fairmint. We'll be talking about stakeholder capitalism and their mission to make companies' equity programmable through their continuous agreement for future equity. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join the community at cryptoassets.substack.com. Do let us know if there are guests you would like to invite or topics that you would like covered. As always, nothing presented here should ever be considered as legal or financial advice or solicitation to buy or sell. Please do your own research and talk to your lawyer, accountant, and tax advisors. In the interest of full disclosure, I am an investor in Fairmint. And now, Joris Delanu, welcome. Hey, hi everyone. Uh, Ethan, thank you very much for having me today. Uh, it's a real pleasure. It's great to be here, and, and I love to get to add in that little part that I am an investor in Fairmint. That just makes me happy because I think what you're doing rocks, and I'm excited to share that through the video and the podcast. <laughs> Before we get into what it is that Fairmint does exactly, because I'm super excited about that part, but I think you might have some good news that you want to share. Yeah, absolutely, Ethan. So end of last week, we released information of the largest investment that has been done via our website on our continuous offering from Tim Draper, who basically invested $2 million on the spot during a, a Zoom call. And to celebrate this information, rather than to have like a, yet another press release, uh, like any other company is doing on fundraising announcement. And as we run a continuous basis uh, offering, we decided to create a, 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 a original NFT uh, in the form of a comic strip. And so we put it on foundation as an auction and in actually less than 40, uh, for, uh, 24 hours, sorry, uh, it has been acquired by someone. So right now we are turning the marketing that is normally a cost center into a profit center at Fairmint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's great. The comic is a picture of Tim Draper, like it's a, an outer space, like science fiction thing where he's in, his, he's in his spacecraft and he's talking to you and he wants to invest. So he invests and but it's got the, all three of you, I guess, in the comic strip. And so you created that and then you pushed it out as an NFT and it's been, you know, somebody has that. So that in itself is an asset that somebody wanted to acquire and have. I think Absolutely. that's pretty cool to be embracing the NFT movement as well. Lots of cool stuff going on all over the place. I think it would be cool to then step back because you mentioned the continuous offering. And I think also so that people understand the significance of what it means that during a Zoom call, somebody was able to invest at that moment. It doesn't mean that they took the decision to invest at that moment and then started with the lawyers and the process and everything. It means you actually invested at that moment on your website. And so I think this is a really cool thing to explain what it is that Fairmint actually does because this is this is very different compared to what, if anybody's ever invested in a startups or, or dealt with this before. People who've been involved with startups might've heard of or already understand the idea of a safe agreement, the simple agreement for future equity, which is a kind of convertible note that it's used in a lot of early stage investing in lieu of typical term sheet negotiation. The main hallmark of a safe is that you don't agree on a current valuation of the startup. Instead, you, you rely on the next round of investment to determine that valuation and, and how that applies to the safe investment then as it converts. It also can provide a discount to those earlier investors to reward them for taking more risk earlier on. So what then does a CAFE, a CAFE, a, a continuous agreement for future equity do differently? Well, I would say that first, Fairmint is here to make sure that any company can leverage its equity and can start to have like anyone access to their equity story 
by putting a simple invest now button on their website. And from there, obviously, we had to create the mechanism that would power this type of new form of rent. And today, when a company decides to make a, a fundraising, they spent months discussing to make sure that at one point, they will be able to have everyone agreeing on the same term so that they can have this full round. What we decided to do with Fairmint was like, what if any investment decision from an investor would become its own round with its own term? And so we are giving the power to any investor at any time to get a chance to invest at the term that are basically defined uh, and priced automatically based on what has been invested before. So setting up fair market value and defining what would be the price that this person as an investor would pay. And at the end, the only arbitrage for the person is, am I comfortable to invest in uh, this company uh, for this amount of money at this valuation? If it's a yes, then this person has her own round and it's immediately done, signed. The money is already transmitted immediately to the company and the person willing to invest after will come and will have as a new pre-money valuation, this money that was the, the previous round that the previous investor did. And so by doing that, we literally waive the need of, you know, multiple decision, multiple discussion, uh, obviously, depending on the size of the check, the company will have the opportunity and the funding team will have the opportunity to discuss with those professional investors that would want to invest a large amount. And, and that was part of the discussion that we had with Tim Draper and all his team during this Zoom call. But at the end, you know, the, 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 the market already priced the things. And so they can make their decision super fast. And what is a major change is that having this live all the time on your website, you can keep raising and raising and raising until the market will basically say, no, I stop because I don't see the fundamentals behind this valuation. And that's how it works because we are eating our own dog food with Fairmint. And since we announced it, 5.2 million raised after uh, Tim Draper's investment. And this morning, we are Monday, we are already at 5.5. And so during the weekend, we had people investing small check and um, some small VC fund that invested bigger check as well. So we raised 350K in literally a matter of days without pitching, without making a, a Zoom call. We like to say that we have a new superpower, which is like fundraising while sleeping. And if you count all the time that you are saving pitching, plus preparing a deck that you keep adapting, and all those months where basically you are stressed, for something that is not business related or focusing on your uh, sales, you are just trying to create a signal to uh, people that don't know your market. Here, we are 100% focused on um, the customers, the prospect. We are selling, so the pitch is actually made to make sure that we are addressing our market, to make sure that we generate the revenue. and. This is probably how most of companies should be. And all the customers that we have now, they are always amazed, you know, when they start to receive their first check during the night and they wake up in the morning and they see that they had 100K more than yesterday, you know, because for them, it sounds like magical, but actually that's how it should be, you know, letting anyone, including the people 
that know your product, know everything about your company, how to literally get a stake in the company. And you waive all the, the friction, the barrier, you make it possible, and they start to own a piece of the brand. So this is you. That's that's fascinating because it allows people with a community with a following to in, in embrace that community as their investors and a tremendous amount of a startup founder's journey in the beginning is convincing people to get you know to put money into something and and that all of that effort can be incredibly useful in terms of helping them refine the idea and and really kind of become more focused on what they need to do. At the same time, they're not executing during the time that they're spending all this effort on raising money. And so the idea here then is that once people have created their investment process and have created the documents that people need to understand what the company's doing, what it's worth, what its future looks like, they can go back to executing their vision while the money comes in and, and they're just busy making something happen. I think that's that's really fantastic. So uh, two questions then that come from what you're saying there. The first is, how would I do that if I wanted to put money into this? Is that a credit card? Is that a bank transfer? Is that crypto? Like, how do I give you capital? Well, why to choose? You can do all. <laughs> Basically, the flow online allows you to proceed with your investment just like you would do on any other platform. So, so you can use your credit card, you can do a SIPA transfer, you can do a wire, a ACH, depending on your uh, uh, location. And if you own crypto, you can also use your crypto, whether it's USDC, so the stablecoin on USD, or S-type token, or Bitcoins as well. And so any tokens can be used, any currency, any um, uh, credit card, Absolutely all those uh, system and mechanics are usable to invest. So you've kind of built Stripe for startup investment, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing thing. So I'm guessing also that some of what makes this possible are the recent changes in the SEC's crowdfunding rules, where they raised the limit for $5 million, um, relaxed some of the communication rules around talking about an investment, especially if you want to test your market. What did that have to, to do with? I mean, obviously, you've been doing this way before last month when these things changed. It was voted in the, into place in the fall, but when it count last month. But how does that change what you're able to do today with Fairmint? So you, you raise a very interesting point because we focus on the U.S. market. Uh, we deal with funding teams that have uh, incorporated in the U.S. Why do we do that? Well, simply because the regulatory framework is in the U.S. on securities is very, very clear. And it's going in the right direction. A few years ago, they released the Reg D506C. And this is an exemption that allows today any private company to uh, make general solicitation to qualified investors. Uh, and, what, and, and that means in the US, accredited investors. So that's very interesting because from a day to another one, you are able to literally address anyone that is qualified to invest in your company publicly. Okay, so what does that mean? You put your invest now button and they can come, they can invest. The non-accredited investor in the US, they are complaining a lot, you know, on the fact that they can't access to uh, such upside. And it's, it's very pity because at the end, they should be the one, the first one able to access. Mm. I truly think that funding by the crowd is a revolution. 
because that's the way to decentralize the access to wealth. And that's probably one of the only way to counteract inequalities. But I also think that the crowdfunding as we knew it is broken. It's broken because there is a misalignment between how it is operated and the interest of both the customers, the companies, and the investors, the retail investor, the non-accredited one. The second thing is that most of the time when you discuss with uh, founders who run a crowdfunding campaign, they spend tons of money to do ads, to send people to a third-party portal. And, and they are trying to create a community with the investors that are already in this portal. And that's a big issue because those guys, they are here because they are willing to invest in, in as many startups as they can. So they, they don't look for building a community for their investee. Um, they're building a community of startups where they can invest on. Th that's PT because, you know, you are literally spending the money that you raise to create this type of traction to people that basically don't really care of that. And you mentioned the 5 million threshold that has been increased from 1.07 to 5 uh, mid-March. So that's very cool. But anyway, not a lot of companies were raising 1 million from retail investors. And when they did, most of the time, they were raising from accredited investors. So today, in the States, it's possible to run simultaneously two types of offering. The one that will address the non-accredited investor with the 5 million threshold per year. And an unlimited amount uh, uh, can be raised also on another type of offering from, uh, from the accredited investor. And that's what we are leveraging at Fermin. The second thing that we believe in uh, with the crowdfunding is that as soon as you start to create your own funding portal on your own digital real estate, you are not funneling people through another third-party portal. You are just operating your business on your website. And if someone comes and is attracted to become a customer and you start to build with him this relationship that you want to avoid any churn and you start to convince him and that's when basically the referral works. All those people, you get a chance to turn them into active stakeholders, into owners of a stake in the company. This stake, fully branded, it, it, it has the name of the company with an invest now button on the website. That's what we give uh, uh, to any funding team today. And that's what they buy because they love it. And we receive more than 515 bonds now. Um, and it's very impressive because most of the time they were contacting us because they were looking for a way to do that. And we were already uh, answering to that. And, uh, and, and this is huge because crowdfunding and LPs all over the world are uh, more and more thanks to crypto, for example, the increase of the price of crypto, but also because everyone is educated, you know, and, and you are able to make a decision of investment, whether it's 100 bucks or 10K um, today, because you can read, you can make your market research, all the things that we were not able to do 20 to 30 years ago. Hmm. And all those people, they are willing to be part of the genesis of many, many projects. They want in. Uh, they want to participate in the upside of success. We are just here to make that happen. And uh, the first customer that launched were pretty small, probably at the seed stage. But we start to discuss with pre-IPO company 
uh, uh, with valuation over uh, several billions, they already are considered unicorn and they are in this pre-IPO phases where they are like, okay, it seems that all the, the millions of users that we've been working with since years uh, got nothing of the wealth created that they helped do. Maybe it's a good time now to find the right tool to make sure that when we hit the IPO button, they get something, a stake. And that's where that's when they start to contact Fermint. And I think that brings up an extremely important, you know, point that people who are new to crowdfunding or haven't done crowdfunding and there's different versions of it that might not realize, but whether you're doing an Indiegogo or Kickstarter or you're doing an AngelList or you're doing what whatever version of crowdfunding, you know, that happens to be, whether it's a product or it's equity or, or what that looks like, you always bring your community to your campaign. And so if you don't bring, especially in the beginning, if you don't have a large enough community to get you over your first main goal and to create the momentum of a campaign, it's often very hard for it to continue on its own or more importantly for the platform effect to come into place. Because on none of these platforms generally do companies have successful campaigns if they expect the platform itself to bring all of the capital to their campaign. There's always a certain degree of community that needs to, if if not just prime kind of that pump, actually be the majority of the investment comes from community. And so I think that that's an important point. It also, the word community gets very interesting in the world we live in today because there are so many people helping to build businesses in the creator economy, whether it's you know, people driving driving an Uber, people delivering groceries or, or, or food for a restaurant. We've got all kinds of creator economy stuff where people are creating content online, where they are creating physical goods like on Etsy. People have, you know, the, the brand economy around the creator economy is really interesting because going forward, people's ability to, to create scalable revenue and income and potentially wealth is directly linked to the community that they've built. And this is fascinating for me because this allows you to not only, you know, it's not just a question of creators being able to leverage their community to create revenue. Well, that's one very interesting direction because as the creator, they're trying to make a business out of this. That doesn't actually benefit the community beyond the fact that they feel good about having supported something that they're interested in. This is fascinating because this creates the two-way street where not only do I believe in someone's business and I want to give them money, but I can do it in a way that if I'm an unaccredited investor, depending on how that's that's defined in Western countries, it changes by country, but most people are not considered accredited investors, which means they cannot invest in most typical forms of these kind of securities. It gets complicated, if not even possible. So this allows them with their small amounts of capital up to even larger amounts of capital to be able to not only back things that they care about, but get something in return. Absolutely. And, I, and I think that that's a fascinating, you talk about this idea of stakeholder capitalism. And I love the idea because I'm not allergic to the word capitalism at all. Uh, <laughs> and I believe that there is a version of, you know, the idea of people making money and being good to their community, being good to the economy, being good to the environment, uh, being good to their taxes. There is a capitalism that is not necessarily about selfish idiots and their big yachts or whatever it is that they're, you know, not that I have any problem with people buying things with their success either, but, but you know, we have stereotypes of rich people ignoring the world around them, which actually isn't very true. Almost all the wealthy people I know that have made their own money 
care passionately about the people around him and the economy and other things. But apart from that argument, this allows people to invest directly into the things they care about without necessarily being already wealthy, because that's often a barrier. Yep. And on the flip side, provides the choice of an entrepreneur that wants to leverage their community to be able to do that because historically, because of many of these rules, even if they wanted to, they could not. Uber and Airbnb both had discussions early on and in along the way that they would like to provide some way to provide some kind of profit sharing or direct ownership or access to the people building their companies, the actual people doing the driving or putting their apartments on, on the side or whatever, and they weren't allowed because of the issue with the, the shareholder cap, the issue with all kinds of things related to how do you bring people into something. So it right. sounds like you've built a really fascinating tool to allow people to legally have access to backing the things they care about and get something more than just feeling good about that. I think that's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Ethan. <laughs> and glad to have you also among our investors, like, like you disclosed it. Um, I, I think in, in, in what you just said, there is, there is several very interesting points that I'd like to uh, get back on. So the sure. first one is the notion of campaign. And that's the first thing that we explain to founders when they contact us. Um, we are the anti-campaign system. Meaning that when you do a campaign, you are trying to make people invest on decision that shouldn't be the right one. Most of the time it's timing, okay? You try to make a campaign, it has a start date and an end date. And, and so you, you, you push the people to invest in this uh, period of time. Um, so to do that, you create fake FOMO, fake marketing. And, and I think it's, it's very bad because at the end, the promise that they are buying is not the right one. The second thing uh, uh, that I see is that as soon as you start to push them to invest because of potential scarcity, like, oh, you need to be past, we only have one or two seats. Same. You are just giving them the wrong reason to invest because at the end, maybe they, they are not very supportive. With the continuous aspect, you waive the need of campaigning. So you waive the need of ads, you save money, um, especially you save money that were used to send your users, your customers, your partners, your community to a third party, you know, giving you nothing, just strengthening the third party community, but not yours. So you waive this cost. The second thing is that obviously being continuous, you have the time, the opportunity to build the trust over the time. And so you can have people that will sign up and they will follow you. They will read about you. And during a, a month, six months, one year, until the day they feel comfortable to invest. And maybe they will have uh, lost, um, I don't know, millions of upside, you know, potentially, uh, in terms of valuation. They, can, they could have invested at five and they will come at 25. And we have a lot eating our own dog food at Fairmint. We can talk a lot about those type of people uh, that got a chance to invest a year ago at five or six, and now they invest at 30 almost. But you also build your community. And like I keep saying, you don't need most of the time all this cash to lie on a bank account, okay? Money doesn't work today, except if you farm on crypto, um, where you can have 10%, but the rest of the time you get nothing. So maybe if you just focus on making sure that you have enough to finance your burn rate, Okay, anything that you are uh, uh, burning every month, 
then it might be more productive for you, you know? Um, and so I think it's very, very important to get rid of this idea of company because at the end, you are just serving a purpose that is not yours. And investors are not so happy. We saw it like crowdfunding didn't really work due to this campaign issue. Now back to capitalism. I think, I think you raise a, a very important point and it matters a lot to Thibault, my co-founder and I. Uh, we've been entrepreneurs since more than 15 years. We have a very different path. He's way more in the technical aspect than I am. He went through the VC pass when I used debt factoring and revenue all my life to finance growth in my companies. But at the end, we wanted to make sure that we would solve the wrong equation, like how can you finance company being fully aligned with the business of this company? And I think capitalism today is not the representation that it should be. It became excessive one. You have excess when you see the guy that puts 300K on Coinbase and everyone applauding because he did 6,000X. And I'm like, why should we applause? I mean, it just brought some money at one point. Maybe it would have been way more powerful if the 35 millions of Coinbase users would have done the same because at that time there were only a million of users and they could have done the 6,000X as well if it would have been more opened. And today, you imagine the network effect, having this 1 million users right. doing their 6,000x. And I also think that capitalism, we have today what is the most powerful and reliable system that we ever had in all humanity. It just needs to go to its new stage because today, like I said at the beginning, people are more and more educated. They are able to become active in the capitalism. So the capitalism that was known as a shareholder-centric one is now turning into a stakeholder one. And that's what the web brought uh, to capitalism, this interconnection. Mm -hmm. So obviously we start to see all the financial world that is organized to make sure that it doesn't happen, but it took 10 years for Bitcoin to become ubiquitous and mainstream. How long will it take to web two type of companies to realize that thanks to the stakeholder capitalism, they will build one of the best competitive advantage on their market, leveraging this community of people by turning them into true owners. And we can even imagine a world where IPOing wouldn't make sense anymore with middlemen, where you will be able to exit to your community directly on your website. That's what I was hoping for Coinbase. That's what Airbnb could have done, or maybe Uber earlier, but it was not ready. I think any company that are starting in 2021, founders are well aware of that. And we will see in the next five, 10 years, companies reaching billions of valuation with lots of people getting some ownership there, getting the opportunity to capture the upside, to become wealthier, thanks to the action that they would have done uh, for the company, creating and generating the wealth beside uh, um, the founders and aligning all the party to the financial upside is absolutely key. I think that's what blockchain is offering as well. And that's why we will see uh, a big adoption uh, of Web3 over the next few years. And I think that the capitalism, the stakeholder one, uh, will be powered by blockchain. I think that's definitely true that the, the, the best cheerleaders for a company, it's community, you know, if they are also the investors, imagine the power that that could have. 
in in pushing that company even further and we we've seen uh, recently that a couple uh, there were three instagrammers that joined together to launch a vc fund uh, and they you know they wants to be the first billionaire social you know influencer uh, idea and and the whole point is is they've got between them you know 100 million people that if they go out there and say hey this service is really cool and i use it and you should too or this product is great as an investor and disclosing obviously that they're an investor but but in the sense of they have ability to go out there and and to say hey look at this what an amazing thing that that brings to a company to have somebody who can bring that kind of visibility to it. I've seen the same thing on Twitter a ton with with people like Alexis Ohanian, who when he talks about Adam or or some of the other brands that you know um, that he's invested in, and that has to be a massive driver of traffic and, and revenue for them. So, I think this idea of leveraging community and having le- leveraging not just your community as an entrepreneur, but more importantly, that your community has its own communities, and that's the community that that's going to bring. That's a lot of communities. That's the community that's going to bring a ton of value to a company because it it turns your investors very directly into your marketers and your supporters in a way that that drives ever increasing value and traction. I think that's fascinating. And that you've built this solution that 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 allows that to happen, I think, is it's going to be really fun to see where this goes over the next couple of years. Just a quick two questions, uh, kind of on the practical side of this, as we close out our, our our time together. If I'm an entrepreneur and I'm thinking, gosh, I, I need to raise some money, or I'd like to raise some money for my company, and this sounds very interesting because I have a community, I have clients, I have vendors, I have lots of cousins, whatever that happens to be, but I have people who would like to back my thing. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to make that happen to use the cafe, to use Fairmint? Well, so to date, uh, the first thing is to be uh, the founder of a U.S. company. Okay. Um, that, that is key. And, uh, and you can read uh, on Fairmint's blog how simple it is today to run a U.S. company from abroad. It's some sort of no-brainer because at the end, as soon as you start to have People from all over, all over the world uh, as customers, being a U.S. company makes total sense. It's a no-brainer for investors to invest in a Delaware C-Corp. As soon as you are outside of there, then it raises some concerns, some questions. And the second thing is obviously to contact us to, to see what they need, how they want to leverage this community. Do they want to use the, the fundraising aspect, uh, creating the market? Or do they want, on top of this market, create this community builder where they are also able to compensate the people that would provide with a bona fide service to the company? And rather than to have a referral where you give three months of use or uh, Amazon card, whatever, you can just start to use your equity as the major currency for your community. And how can you be more loyal than owning such a stake that is aligned with the financial upside of the founders themselves, you know, um, alignment is key. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, you contact us. It's very simple. You go on our website and you have all the button there uh, to ping us. You can also uh, go on Twitter or contact me on Telegram directly. It's always a pleasure. And we will release soon the Fermin Cafe that will be also a virtual place uh, on top of what we have as the legal template uh, where we will welcome people uh, uh, several times during the week to discuss with founder, to see how we can help them nurture this new ecosystem, where obviously the interaction between all the stakeholders, including VCs, LPs, uh, uh, angel investor and founders, 
can be more fluid to waive the need of, you know, spending lots of time in one-on-one call when you can do the things with your entire community and creating some sort of network effect. So the process, we get in touch with you, we can find out all more about it, but I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this. There's one detail that they want to know because when it comes to platforms, there's always a cost. So you're not a platform, you're not Indiegogo, you're not Republic, you're not AngelList, but it still has to cost something because you have to keep the lights on and you're providing a service. I'm not sure if there's specifics because obviously projects are different one from another, but as an entrepreneur looking to use Fairmint, what would I need to be thinking about in terms of budget? So I, th- I think we did a, a fantastic work um, to make the pricing page super clear in terms of feature. But basically, when you support this idea towards a stakeholder capitalism, you need to be and operate as a true stakeholder for your ecosystem and for your customers. So what we do is rather than to charge a cut in the fundraising process, we just operate like you would do with your employees. And we would receive 20K, 25K sorry, of commission paid in the equity of the company. That aligns us completely with the success of the company itself, just like you would give the 25K to an employee, for example. And uh, it's cash-free. And then we have a SaaS component that is basically 99 for the fundraising mechanism uh, that you can put on your website. And so from 99 per month, you have basically battery including your own funding portal to let from a day to another one, anyone come and invest in your company directly from this Invest Now button. So that's pretty straight. Yep, that's super clear. And also really cool to, to, to imagine that as well, that you are basing Fairmint's success on the success of its clients. Well, thank you, Joris, for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, congrats on this newest round of investments. I'm looking forward to hearing more good news in the weeks and months to come. Thanks a lot. Want more details on these and other important stories? Subscribe to the Blockchain Economy newsletter and full podcast from yours truly, Ethan Pierce, at the Crypto Assets Institute at cryptoassets.substack.com. You should also follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and switch on notifications to be informed of new episodes as soon as they are released. I always appreciate a new connection and follow on Twitter and LinkedIn at Ethan Pierce. That's E-T-H-A-N-P-I-E-R-S-E. Let me know if there are guests that you would like for me to invite onto the interview podcast or topics that you would like covered in these regular news updates. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.